Welcome to Igniting Change, Finding Your Fire, a weekly podcast with Mina Khoury, an Ayurvedic practitioner and spiritual teacher who brings the ancient, time-tested wisdom of Ayurveda in this time of great upheaval and global ascension to inspire you to the next level of your spiritual evolution. She will discuss all topics related to your physical, mental, emotional, and spiritual health. Are you ready to be free of all suffering and soar to your heart's calling? Hello, everyone. I am Mina Puri, uh, your host, and I've been immersed in the study and practice of the ancient Vedic sciences of yoga and Ayurveda and in spirituality. And if you are looking for a spiritual direction, uh, take a look at my year-long uh, spiritual mentorship program that I have newly launched. Uh, if you are looking to find direction in your life and really heal on all levels, you're welcome to schedule a complimentary consultation with me and discuss uh, further. So today, I bring to you a very unique and um, a very unique guest, unique in the sense that she is um, a nurse, but however, what she does is far and beyond her being a nurse. So please welcome uh, Cindy Lynn. Cindy, Hi, Nina. The show. Thank you so much. It's great to be here. Thank you so much. It's so good to have you here. I know that um, I know a little bit about you from we are in the mastermind group together. Mm -hmm. And uh, so you are, you know, a nurse of, you know, you said something, you know, now what the diagnosis. Yeah. So why don't you go ahead and um, tell us about what is it that you do and I know it's something new that you have uh, a new service that you have started to provide. It is it's a new service and, and thank you for giving me this opportunity a new service that has sprung out of work that I've been doing for years and just more people looking for this work so I've actually formalized it into a program and I think one of the reasons that you and I seem to hit it off from the first time that we had contact as you talk about healing on all levels mm -hmm. and healing kind of all parts of your life. And that's very much what I'm about as well. I take it from the point of people getting a diagnosis or living with the chronic diagnosis and then working with them to either acutely manage, navigate that process. Mm -hmm. Um, or on a, on a longer term level, manage life with the diagnosis um, and heal all the parts of your life around that uh, experience. Yeah, it's such an important thing that you are doing because many times when the patients are given a diagnosis, they kind of succumb or resolve, saying, mm -hmm. This is the life. Uh, here's the here's the for example. Here's the path of cancer that now I am. This is the process. These are the steps that I'm going to walk through. And you know these um, already pre-designed pathways for patients and their diagnosis. They are so ingrained 
in us that we dare not think that there's actually something above and beyond them, right? So we get stuck inside that pathway. And what you are doing is telling people, is showing them everything that's outside of that mindset. Absolutely. That that yeah. sort of predetermined protocol that, mm-hmm. that patients often get kind of plugged into from the time of a diagnosis. Right. Right. And that allows for medical efficiency. Mm-hmm. Um, but unless a patient knows to advocate for themselves or knows that there are mm-hmm. other things they can do um, alongside of that, those protocols or instead of those protocols or intermixed with, yeah. um, p- people don't know how to ask those questions often. Yeah, it is very, very true. I have often uh, guided uh, my patients to sometimes I give them a list of questions mm-hmm. um, or sometimes they'll come to me. The doctor is saying surgery. Can you help me decide the pros and cons? Mm-hmm. And sometimes you do have to do the surgery because the condition have um, has become chronic and long staying in the body. But there are many times when that's not the only option. And also, if that is the option, then I guide them, at least let's go ahead and get your body really strong so you heal quickly. Yes. And I think that's that's yeah. such a big part of it because it's not um, it, it's certainly, and, I, and I'm sure you work in the same way, we don't tell a patient what to do. Mm-hmm. We help open their eyes to other options, mm-hmm. ask better questions. Yes. Yeah. And then when they've made a decision, we're in a unique position to help them get ready beforehand and heal afterwards. Yeah. That full full expression of support, I think, that makes what we do so effective. Exactly. And, um, you know, we're coming from the mindset Perhaps it was true at one point when I feel real medicine was practiced, which said doctor knows best because the doctor wasn't limiting his or her time to 15 minutes. Mm -hmm. There was no agenda and there was no, um, you know, what do I call it, partnership with those who may compromise the care. Mm And so the focus was the patient. The doctors took time. I remember my dad being a doctor. It wasn't a 15-minute deal. No. It was longer than that. And um, so maybe at that time, we listened to the doctor because actually the doctor knew what was going on with us. The doctors and our, the patient views were the same. They were on the same page. So there was no threat or no fear. Mm-hmm. So I think we have to get into a mindset that when it comes to the area of health and medicine, there's so much technological advances that modern medicine has made. There's so much that science does know, but it still does not know you. <laughs> that, and that's the big difference. I think when you talk about a physician excuse me, probably in your father's type of practice, he not only knew the patient, but knew the patient's family. And in that process, he knew what I like to call the the patient's philosophy of care. Mm -hmm. 
their feelings on treatments, their feelings on uh, quality of life. Mm-hmm. And then, like you said, they're very often on the same page with that same philosophy of care. With the time pressures and the the reimbursement-driven uh, practice of medicine mm-hmm. that we have right now. I like that. Re- yeah, reimbursement-driven. It is. Really, our, really the yeah. insurance companies mm-hmm. are are deciding treatment. Exactly. Um, statistics are deciding protocol. Mm-hmm. So when I, you know, when I see uh, clients come with recommendations from their physician, I know that the recommendations are based on statistically what patients need or statistically what patients will do. So for example, um, it's very difficult for patients to make dietary changes. Mm-hmm. So most often that recommendation is completely bypassed by physicians. I know it is a little compliance. It's a sad thing because, mm-hmm. and this is what happens. We uh, stay stuck in the same old groove. We forget that there, that the land of possibilities out of that way of thinking you know, I always say, just because this is the statistics, you're not bound to have the same results if you do different things, if you have a different mm-hmm. thought process. And the philosophy of care and their personal philosophy is so important because it absolutely cannot be one size fits all. How can you possibly do mass treatment because you're dealing with different bodies, different way of thinking? And you know, the healing and full recovery comes so much from the patient's mindset and their psychology. Absolutely. So if you're not paying attention to that, you're really missing a huge chunk of, um, it's, it's like a, it, it's not an opportunity, like a, like a huge piece that has what the client need to heal completely. You're totally missing that. You can. And, and you know, I think we recognize that one person's body is different than another person's body. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But I also see in my clients that the body they had six months ago or a month ago and the minds mm-hmm. that they had six months ago may be very different than what they're walking in with today. Yeah, especially so our yeah. own bodies change over time, never mind the difference mm-hmm. between one person and another. Yeah, and it's not just the body, it's you know, it's psychology. It's how does somebody, you know, I have clients who are they gung ho, they want to do it all today. Those others are oh every little change scares them. Mm-hmm. Right? So Everybody works differently because everybody's mind, everybody's had different experiences. So the one-size-fits-all approach is it's, it's not uh, useful for so many of the people. Yeah. So, yeah, so, you know, so give me an, um, you know, tell me a little bit more about when a patient, say, is um, given a diagnosis many times it's those terminal diagnoses that suggest that the avenues open for the patient are very 
far, few, and limited. Mm-hmm. And, yeah. and I think that's the work that you're doing because, you know, that's, that's a diagnosis that patients get stuck with because they think it's, it's a death sentence. It is, this is my only path. So, so walk the audience through um, a little, you know, example or, or, or your process as to how you would help them. Sure. So I think, and I think that perception, I think the history and experience that we bring to us when we walk into the doctor's office and mm-hmm. sit down makes a big difference. Yeah. And the physician brings a whole different set of experiences. Mm-hmm. So let's take something far too common, but nonetheless extremely scary, a cancer diagnosis. Yeah. Mm-hmm. For most people, as soon as they hear that word, yeah, they hear, as you said, the death sentence. Mm-hmm. They remember what happened to their father or their, their uncle yeah. or their, their brother. Mm-hmm. And that may or may not be their case at all. The doctor who's giving that diagnosis may give that diagnosis, depending on his specialty, that may be the language he uses all day. So what what very comfortably rolls off his tongue may be very specific description of what type of cancer you have, but the patient hears cancer. And that's it, yeah. Thinks death. Now, there's information that comes after that. Because the doctor who's giving the news may have already plans for three different treatments, and the treatments may be 90% effective. Mm -hmm. But the moment the patient hears that, their mindset locks in on that, and their thought process begins with either I'm going to die, or I'm going to be very weak and sick, or I'm going to have to fight for my life. All of the stories that we have collected from all of our experiences from our childhood on come to the surface and begin to play like movies in our mind. Mm -hmm. And when those movies are playing Mm -hmm. and they play in the presence of cortisol, the stress hormone, Mm -hmm. all of the blood leaves our brain. Well, not all of it because we couldn't function, but a vast majority of it leaves our brain, goes to our muscles, prepares Mm -hmm. to... Fight or flight. Right. So when people say they heard the word and they actually got nauseous, Mm -hmm. no, as well as I, it's the the blood flow in the body. Yeah, they're not making it up. It's their real experience. No, no. Or if they have to get up and use the restroom quickly Mm -hmm. because their body is preparing for battle based on this word that they hear. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And at that time, they're also not able to process further information from the doctor. Yeah. And very often they just get plugged into, okay, out at the desk, set up the appointment for tomorrow or Tuesday or whatever day we're going to do this. And it's in that way with with a well-meaning physician Mm -hmm. in an efficient hospital system, Mm -hmm. it's the way that a person ends up on a path that may not be of their choosing. I know. My God, I have seen this. Yeah, I have seen this so many times in my practice because I have uh, clients who walk in, they go to a specialist and they give them either like a protein pump for something or some some undoable 
thing that does not align with what they thought their life or health was. And they literally are shaking because they don't recognize their life. Mm-hmm. They come to me and saying, this is, this is like now I'm at a point of, I have to chew on this. I see green things in the morning. Mm-hmm. I can't eat anymore because of my enzymes or whatever the numbers are. And, and I have to stick. And it's just, it's inhumane, some of the treatments that are suggested. And they are shaking. They've lost total control over their life. They are scared. Uh, and that's it just so, so, you know, my task is always, first of all, to teach them how to feel comfortable in your body. Mm-hmm. And how to take clues or take on the signals from their body Mm -hmm. as to the, I don't want to say efficacy, as to the validity of this Mm -hmm. specialist comments or recommendations. Ultimately, it's your body. And, you know, when the patients are given a far-reaching diagnosis or a treatment, which they're not even supposed to have knowledge of, but there's no education, they end up nothing but scared. And if they, majority of them don't come see me, they think they're doomed. Mm-hmm. They think this is the path. I mean, they're already on the on to their deathbed. They've already started because a big part of them has already abandoned them. The, the mindset is, oh I, I'm not going to be here much longer. I'm not going to be here much longer. So the so the journey before them is like, I just have to accept it, I guess. Yeah. They talk themselves into it. I, and this is just, it's unacceptable, you know? It it's, is. It really is. Yeah. Because, you know, everyone I work with doesn't, doesn't have a magic resolution. Mm-hmm. But... They can be in a place of living until they actually die. Die, you know. They don't have to start yeah. dying when they hear the word in the office. Right. You know, that's exactly, you know, just it, it's a miracle is not always that you are not going to die. The truth is we're all going to die. But when you um, can see yourself clearly through it, And coming to that place of knowledge and acceptance and embracing of it, Mm -hmm. that's a totally different story. That's a totally different experience than thinking, I guess I don't have any option, but it doesn't sound so right. How did it all come to be in fear? So they take that fear with them in their soul. That's the imprint on their soul, the fear that Mm -hmm. never gets resolved, right? So it's not miracle or healing is not always that we're going to save our life eventually you know we're going to leave mm-hmm. sometimes the healing is making peace with it from a place of power from a place of um, deep acceptance and alignment because you know exactly what it is you know exactly how this came to be you understand mm-hmm. it you're aligned with it you're good with it that's a very different story than from being uh, confused, being in the dark, and being unclear. So I think the service that you provide to bring that clarity 
of what it is, the available choices, mm-hmm. and educating them on how to navigate the medical world because you have the expertise on that is is phenomenal. It's, it's yeah. something I'm very passionate about. I, you know, and it's not something that I hear many people do. Maybe, I mean, this is, you are the first one that I've heard with such clarity that, you know, is, you know, now what? Mm-hmm. You navigate people, you navigate, give them assistance, you give them a, a, the deep guidance and support in how to navigate this path. It's, there yeah. are, there are, Roles that have a little piece of this that actually work within hospital systems, care coordinators and so on. Yes, there are. But, but they're, um, they, again, only have access to the tools in the toolbox that is their facility. Yes. Yeah. So they still work for the hospital. I have the advantage that I can work fully and wholeheartedly with the patient and for the patient. With all the skills. And I remember those care coordinators at the hospital are working for the doctors who gave them the diagnosis. Yes. It's a whole team, right? So mm-hmm. it's not objective. No. And, and yeah. when we pick our care team, but actually before before you say this, I want to share a funny story with you. It's not, I mean, it's funny because it's over with yeah. and it like cleared up. But yeah. I had a client come and she was put on uh, numerous different uh, medications for hypertension or high blood pressure. Mm-hmm. And she would go and, and, and I knew her, I knew her personality. Mm-hmm. You know, we talked about relaxation techniques before going into the doctor because she would get so upset mm-hmm. and so intimidated in the doctor's office. Her blood pressure would be sky high. Absolutely. It wouldn't come down in the five minutes that they left her sitting alone in the room. And then somebody else came in and took it again. So mm-hmm. she get go home with the prescription and she went through three cycles of this and I and and finally we arrived at in a uh, to to agree to go into Walgreens and use one of those where you stick your arm in and you just have it and she would go and then she'd write it down the date and the time and that was always fine because there was nothing scary going on at Walgreens she'd do a little shopping she'd take her blood pressure and yeah. so she went to the doctor with this information, her piece of paper, we had it all written out and everything. And instead of coming home happy that this, the solution had been resolved and that she uh-huh. did not, in fact, need any medication, uh-huh. she was told she had white coat syndrome. Um, you know, I cannot believe that you and are she, and she was saying like, that. I, I, I have this syndrome. I'm like, no, you don't have anything. So white coat syndrome means you don't have it. I, we use this term. You know, it's funny that you talk about hypertension. It's one of the, in my practice, I see, it's one of the most overdiagnosed and over-medicated um, disorder or a health issue. Mm-hmm. And white coat syndrome is not something that is a disorder or it needs to be treated. It just really means that you get afraid when you see a white coat, when you see a doctor. So we don't read the numbers from the, when you take them at the doctor's office, you need to read, you you know, I tell them three times, three days in a row, same time at home, and the numbers are fine. And Mm -hmm. in fact, many times people who are over-medicated for this hypertension, they go into hypotension, they become 
dizzy lethargic and- dizzy and i've you know i i respect the medical world i don't mess with the medications and things like that really rarely but there was one or two times where i'm like is the medication is causing this mm-hmm. and because it, the, the person didn't need it the person no. did not need the medication no. and it just again so we're living in a world where the med- medical world is you know far too eager and far too quick to lend you that prescription um so it's so it, important it was, so, it was it what should have been the victory of oh good my blood pressure's fine and i don't need medication she came up with another disorder there was another thing <laughs> hanging over her i'm like no I can't believe that story that actually, no. I mean, we, ta- we, ta- we do it laughingly, that white coat syndrome. I know. And, we and this always, patient thought this was actually a real disorder. That's what they told her. And that's what she heard. Well, you know, take off the white coat and the syndrome will go away. <laughs> <laughs> or just do it at Walgreens or the home units or the home. But oh rather than, gosh. you know, I would think the third time and the third different medication and and I look what happens, what was going on in this woman's life. And she was yeah. older and, and a bout of hypotension or low blood pressure could have easily caused a fall, which could have precipitated a, a major change in her quality of life. Absolutely. Absolutely. And some of, you know, again, you know, there, again, there's another, um, myth or misunderstanding or incomplete information that high blood pressure is the culprit for heart disease. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, I bet to differ. Mm-hmm. It may be an A factor, but again, you know, in the medical world, everything is looked at quantitatively when the qualitative factors have the most impact, mm-hmm. right? It's not about the numbers. Well, right? and there's a difference between associated Association and causation. And I think yeah. that those things have gotten very muddy mm-hmm. with the highly funded research that's done now. Yeah. It's, you know, your work is so needed. Your work is needed to educate people because it's with the education only um, that we can take our health in our own hands where it belongs, where it always belonged. Mm-hmm. Somewhere along the line, we, we let go of the reins of that. I don't know why. Uh, so remember your body, your choice. Nobody knows your body, not even the doctor, than you do. You know, so many times, like I, you know, I, I would take all the information and I put the pen and paper down. So I'm like, so what do you think is behind this mysterious yes. syndrome? So mm-hmm. what do you think is going on? And, you know, I got to tell you, almost all the time, they know, but they don't know they know. They don't know what comes out of their mouth. And I'm listening. It's a deep listening. It's like, you already said that. You already said that. So they know. And this is how we empower people to tell them they already know. So they begin to then the work is for them to tune into what they know, connect with it and develop a relationship with their inner being, with their inner voice. That's how they become, you know, the captain of their ship, sort of speak. And, you know, the word, there's a meaning behind the word doctor, which don't quote me. I don't know where it comes from, maybe Latin, that it is to educate. Mm. 
when you educate people on themselves, kind of really listening, reflecting back to them, that's, that awareness is medicine, mm -hmm. right? So they don't keep coming back to you. So you're not collecting patients. Absolutely. My, that's why my program is one intensive day. With and you educate the follow up, them. and they can they can move through. And I have people ask me because I mean you have an, an amazing storehouse of knowledge mm -hmm. and of of medicine. Um, and I've had people ask me, Cindy, how do you, how can you possibly know all the diagnoses? Well, I I don't, and I and don't you don't need to. Need to. No. And it's almost irrelevant. I mean, we fine tune yeah. our questions for diagnosis. Mm -hmm. It's um, almost as fascinating for me if someone would come to me of, of something I knew little about because I would mm -hmm. be learning and exploring with them. Mm -hmm. But the importance in asking better questions and knowing yeah. your personal philosophy of care and doing it on your timeline mm -hmm. um, and, and knowing to question again, is this is this all of my treatment options or is this just the insurance covered treatment options? I mean, that, that question is valid regardless of the diagnosis. So I think what you're saying is very true. It's, it's, it's empowering people to take back, mm -hmm. to get back in the driver's seat of managing. Yeah, their health absolutely. Because they you know, do it. You give people their power back. That's my, that's when my we idea. lose our power, I'm sorry. It's the biggest cause of disease. Mm -hmm. Feel powerless, feel purposeless. Yes. It wreaks havoc on your soul and you don't even know it. It's not, the answers are not in the pill, people. Okay. You may have to take the pill to think straight. Mm -hmm. but the answers are not in the pill. It's no. a band-aid. You know that? Um, well, so this it, is what we need more and more people like you. I it's it's funny because I always say, you know, the the world of medicine has done wonderful things. They have. And there are so many um so many possible treatments out there mm -hmm. and so there many are. things in in emergencies if you have a true emergency. But whenever someone's put on a medication, I have them ask, what is the exit plan? You know, and you know what? You need this education yeah. until these things can be put in place or until this occurs or until. So whether it's pain medication, yeah. blood pressure medication, whatever mm -hmm. it is. Okay. Ask what the exit plan is. And if you the know, plan is stay on this for the rest of your life, life. we're going to ask some more questions. My gosh. That's never even discussed. No, very often the, it's not. The it's unsaid, really yeah, the unsaid rule is, this is it for now. This is mm -hmm. it. You take the medication for the rest of your life. You know, right. it really does something to our psyche. It when we can become dependent upon this medication and we don't know why. How is that possible? Why am I taking this? It really, I've seen it time over, time over again. It really disempowers people. Now, knowing why, and is there an exit plan? Maybe there isn't an exit plan. But the clarity 
of information, the availability of so many choices. The education is simply not there. And I don't, you know, it's like what came first, the chicken or the eggs? How did the medical system come to be the way it is? Is perhaps our acceptance of it, perhaps our lack of responsibility uh, in our own health. And so, you know, maybe the medical world is so busy pulling people out of the fire, they, they don't get to ask the question, why the heck everybody keeps on filing, you know, jumping into this fire? So maybe they're just putting out the fire. So again, what came first? But it doesn't matter. Mm -hmm. What needs to happen is each and every one of us, autonomy over your body, sovereignty over your body and your health. What that means is taking responsibility. You know, we call it radical responsibility. Responsibility cannot be anything but radical. We either take responsibility or we don't. We don't take a little bit of responsibility. There's no such thing. You either go all the way or you're not there. But I think that's what scares people. I think the, you know, when you talk about the chicken or the egg, Mm -hmm. and we don't see these people because they're not coming to us. No. People who are like, you know what? My dad died at 60 of a heart attack. I'm going to die at 60 of a heart attack. It doesn't matter what I'm going to do. So I don't care how I'm going to take care of myself. That, that person's lined up for the current medical system. Absolutely. Yeah. So that's the people that come to see us. So you can only truly help someone who needs to be helped. And I've I've learned that the hard way over the years, wanting to mm-hmm. help people who don't necessarily want that. Um, but also understanding that help can come in in many different ways. Yeah. And that includes um helping someone to make the decision to move into hospice. Absolutely. Yeah. And most people, because even because the medical system is so afraid of death, because it marks a failure for them, mm-hmm. that most people think hospice is like for the last week or maybe two weeks right before you die. Mm-hmm. And it's not. It's a formal uh, marking in the medical system that says, okay, I am no longer, as your physician, I am no longer required to run every test, try every new drug, keep pushing this stuff. I can say, all right, now I can shift to keeping you comfortable. Seriously, is that how it is? That's that's how it is. That's what hospice is. So I didn't do that. Can be on, people can be on hospice for a year or longer. It it shifts the obligation of the physician. And that's what it is. So it's a place where the doctor has done all they can do. No, it's a place where you've decided you're going to do all you want to all do. All you want to do, I see. Yes. And I don't want to, you know, I don't want to continue to test and continue to try for for this, that, and the other thing. Now, the physicians have standards of care that Mm -hmm. they must follow. So as a physician, I couldn't just say, you know what, Mina, I think we're done doing tests on you and trying pills. Right. So if I'm actively managing you as a physician, 
Mm-hmm. I have lots of pro- what's next. Okay, if this doesn't work, we go to this. Okay, if this doesn't work, the we can maybe do two things. They have standards of care, and mm-hmm. if they don't follow those standards of care, they they really could get in trouble mm-hmm. because they would not be conscientious about following them. Right. So I can tell you that there are physicians who are. I don't know if relieved is the right word, but happy on the behalf of the patient when the patient says, you know what, I think where we are right now is where we're going to leave it. Uh You can continue to get medications. You can Uh continue to get treatment, but there isn't that need to push and push and push and push for the next. Now, this is, like I said, death is feared very much or or seen very much as a failure in medicine. Uh And and there's been some efforts to look at quality of life, but it's not quality of life like you or I would think about it. Right. Um, so if if people want, they really have to do their investigation and saying, oh, I can actually go into hospice now. Hospice also signifies a different level and different types of reimbursement here in the States. Yeah. I don't know yeah. for Canada. It's different, how that, yeah. How that mm-hmm. falls. Um, but it's also very difficult for families. And in fact, I recently had a case where, um, and, and it wasn't my client, but uh, mm-hmm. associate, where the the certain members of the family, as the as the mother needed and was appropriately moved into hospice, mm-hmm. certain members of the family considered that assisted suicide, and they wanted nothing to do with it because oh we were going to use every measure and this woman was very ill and she had dementia and she had had a fall and fortunately the members of the family in charge had made a a very suitable decision i mean this Mm -hmm. person wasn't unable to eat unable to move around not talking not responsive Mm -hmm. Um, it would have been awful to take her to the hospital, start to put her through tests and all of these kinds of things. My goodness. Um, But there are people who view not doing everything you can as the other end of the spectrum. Mm -hmm. You know, it's not only that you're just going to let mom pass, you're going to be along. Mm -hmm. And that's not the case at all. So again, this goes back to this personal philosophy of care. Mm-hmm. that you you are maybe willing to do this treatment or to try that treatment, but it's very important to you to still maintain some sense of your quality of life. Mm-hmm. And you may choose to say, you know what? I'm I'm done with treatments now. We're gonna we're gonna be comfortable. Wow. Yeah, this is um it takes a lot of education. It takes a lot of education. And, and, and you know, as people are not in the know, they don't mm-hmm. know. Again, you know, we are, we're living our like kind of a medical life or our disease life through the stories that we hear. Mm-hmm. And from what has happened to our near and dear ones. And, you know, we, we, we throw in the towel way too quickly, believing there's no other alternative. Mm-hmm. Or, and throw in the towel like in the blind, in the dark, instead of really knowing what it is that we're doing. So, 
So you mentioned that you offer a one day, like where they sit with you for one day and you walk them through the process. And I know in your other uh, story that you shared in our group Mm -hmm. that you offer support, you know, even after that one day they can contact you. So uh, can you tell our listeners how can they get a hold of you? Sure. So um, Cindy Lynn, Dot com mm-hmm. is probably the best way um, and you can book a call a completely free call there's spots on my website you can just mm-hmm. sign up the appointment will appear automatically on my calendar mm-hmm. and we can spend a little time getting to know each other and right. we can decide if this if I'm the right person to guide you on this path wonderful wonderful and if, so- and if not Fabulous, and I wish you all the yeah. best. And so I, it's I, just, I would still yeah. love to leave everyone with some some good questions, some helpful tips, um, just something to get them to get them started. Exactly. So if you are listening and you are dealing with um, medical diagnosis that you don't quite know how to navigate or what your options are that's the time that you want to think about Cindy Lynn. Um, the, her website, cindylynn.com. Uh, please schedule your discovery call, if you will, with her for half an hour. So she can, you know, you she can get to know you and then see if she, her services is what will help you to navigate your diagnosis with a little bit more light and mm-hmm. clarity. So Cindy, thank you so much. For thank joining. you so much for having me. And I always enjoy our conversations. Yes, me too. And thank you for doing what you do. And uh, thank you so much, everyone, for listening. And we will see you next week. Thank you for listening to Igniting Change, Finding Your Fire. If you enjoyed this episode, don't forget to hit the like and subscribe button. And we look forward to being with you next week. <laughs>